Kia ora and welcome to Big Raps, where we discuss the biggest sporting stories of the week. I'm your host, James Regan. Joining me this week, Brad Lewis. Hey, Kira James. Brad. How are you doing? Good. And Lucy Thompson, hello. Hello. Pleased to be we? here. Good. Good? All right, let's get into it. All right, it's been a tough and upsetting week in the world of sports, particularly for, for us in New Zealand. Here, firstly, I think we all need to say that our thoughts are with former Black Cap uh, Chris Cairns and his family, Chris was admitted to hospital earlier in the week after suffering a serious medical event. He's now in Sydney. Um, as we are recording now, he's in a critical but stable condition. So again, all our thoughts are with Chris and his family. We hope he has a speedy recovery. Um, Brad, he was a hero of yours growing up. Would you like to say a few things? Yeah, look, um, Chris Cairns was my sporting hero when I was when I was growing up. Uh, was a massive fan of of everything about the way that man played cricket. Uh, he was a, an exciting batsman, a, a fantastic bowler who won Test matches for New Zealand with both bat and ball and ODI matches. Uh, and just you know, I just my fandom. I I I, I my modelled my batting style on him, and I modelled my bowling style on him. That's how much of a fan I was of Chris Cairns and. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that, that sort of happened post his career that we don't really need to talk about. He was proven innocent of all those sort of things. So uh, it's just, I, I think it's a real shame the way he's been lost to cricket in New Zealand uh, and cricket around the world. He was he was a Sky commentator for a while there. Um, he's kind of gone off to Canberra and done his thing. I was shocked when I heard that news. Uh, I was watching the bulletin um, and Gordy read it out at the end there and I just sort of sat there for a second and was just like what? Like uh, 51 it's really scary you know I'm in my 40s and Rigger on the AIM show this morning said he's sort of you know starting to think about that as well now you just you just don't know and yeah look all the best to Chris Cairns I hope he pulls through this for him and his, his young family uh, and I hope that some, some bridges can be mended with cricket and, and down the line Chris Cairns can, can be celebrated for the great cricketer that he was Absolutely yeah yeah, it's um, worth saying again, all our thoughts are with Chris from everyone here at News Hub. Uh, we're cheering for you, mate, so all the best with your recovery. Um, also this week, um, the cycling community was rocked um, by the sudden death of one of their own, Olivia Podmore, died suddenly earlier in the week. Um, in a social media post, Olivia, Olivia made it clear that she had been dealing with some mental health issues. The post also criticised Cycling New Zealand and high-performance sports. Again, all of our thoughts are with Olivia's friends, families, everyone in Cambridge, everyone who has been affected by this this tragic news. Um, Eric Murray, a friend of Olivia and a Cambridge local, spoke earlier in the week, uh, and what stood out to me was he said he had wished Olivia had said something to him. I think they were together uh, not too long ago. He wished that Olivia had spoken up. He and others have also made the point of reminding people that it is okay uh, and important that you speak up if you are struggling with anything, uh, like Olivia was. If you are battling with with anything in your personal life, speak up to anyone, uh, be it a friend, a family member, or call call helpline, call anyone like that. Um, and it, it's tragic that this has been in the news this week. It's certainly affected everyone here, um, trying to get a grips on on how to handle the the news like this of an athlete in New Zealand who a lot of people in the newsroom know a lot of them have spent time with Olivia and, and the cycling community so again all of our thoughts uh, and prayers are with Olivia's family and friends and those in Cambridge uh, and at Cycling New Zealand as well I guess um, from each of you uh, I guess the main thing that's come out of this is the get the need 
again, to, to remind ourselves that athletes, A, are human, uh, and B, that anyone can be struggling with, with anything that we don't know about, even those who um, on the surface are happy, uh, successful people, and they may well be, but this um, what we're dealing with, I guess, at the moment around mental health doesn't um, clear itself from anyone. It affects everyone. So, Lucy, just a few thoughts from you about what's happened this week. Yeah, obviously I was shocked to hear uh, the news of Liv's death and my heart goes out to, to her friends and family uh, all around the country and I really hope that if, if anything can come of this that it is that some changes born out of it, whether it be changing to funding models or change to attitudes or whatever it might be, but uh, we can't afford to lose any more lives, athletes, uh, you know, to systems that perhaps aren't looking after them. So yeah, my, my thoughts are with her family and friends at this time, but really hope that something good can come out of it. Yeah. That's probably the one thing we can hope, and I think that's kind of what Eric Murray was was touching on. If you know something does have to come from this, it's the fact that attitudes continue to change, but also things at the top level of sport start to change, maybe as well in New Zealand. Yeah, and I think uh, one thing that really concerns me, and we saw it during the Olympics with several athletes talking about their battles with uh, with with mental health, and you know Simone Biles was the was the case that that caught most people's attention, and Look, uh, I, I trolled through social media and just some of the naivety in those comments talking about how she's taking a spot away from someone else and if she's not up to it, then why was she there? We're talking about arguably the greatest sportswoman on the planet right now. Uh, you know, just just had a, had a personal issue on the biggest stage. It happens, you know, like I've had my own mental health issues, not in the public eye either. And I know that I struggled through a lot of that stuff and I had people around me. I can't imagine, I cannot imagine what it would be like to be an elite sports person with the pressures of performing and uh, on your shoulders every single day. Like you think of what the pressure of Simone Biles where the American media was talking about her as a six time, she was going to win six gold medals in Tokyo. And uh, I think, you know, Jacinda Ardern said it ahead of COVID, right? Like, be kind. I think that's the message I'd like to, to send out to the people is, you know, if you've got nothing positive to say in a case like this, then, then keep your opinion to yourself because, you know, we, we, we hear sports stars say, I don't read social media, but we know they do, right? We, we know they look at the comments, they look at the headlines and, and stuff like that. So, you know, just, just be kind. And, and if you've got a negative thought in your mind about your thoughts around an athlete pulling out for mental health reasons, keep it to yourself. You don't, you don't need to express that. You know, be positive, and we, we we live in a world now where these athletes are in the public eye every single day, um, and we don't know what they go through. We don't know what Olivia was going through. She obviously had the disappointment of missing out on the Olympic Games. She had a phenomenal 2019, was probably in the form of her life, and you know, like Eric said, he just wished he'd known. And and we ha we just have to be kind to people and ask your mate, are you okay? Like even if just every day, just ask ask your friends, are you okay? Absolutely. Um, well, once again, our thoughts with Olivia, uh, her family and friends and, and everyone in Cambridge. Uh, but we are going to change gears a little bit. The second All Blacks test at Eden Park gets underway this weekend against the Wallabies after maybe a rusty performance first up, but they still put them to bed fairly easily. Brad, what did you make of the first test, but also looking ahead uh, to this weekend as well? 
Look, Jimmy, there were some positive signs. Um, 33-8 up with 12, 30 minutes to go. Is, you're in a pretty good spot. Um, but to let that slip away is, is really disappointing. You know, conceding 17 straight points. Wallabies, you know, were never a threat to win that game. Uh, but if, if they'd brought their goal-kicking boots to the table, maybe they would have, missing, I think, what, five of seven goal attempts. There, there's a few issues of concern. But at the end of the day, it's their first test match against a, a top-tier nation, you know, a top-five-ranked side in the world, top-six-ranked side in the world. Uh, they're at the Fortress of uh, uh, Fortress Eden and Eden Park. Um, they, they, you know, I, I think they'll get the job done this weekend. Um, there are some aspects there, but bit worrying about the bench struggling. But as Brad Weber said um, at training this week, maybe the guys were just a little bit too excited to get out there and make an impression with the game in the bank. You know, like mm. you, you're up by such a big mar- margin, you feel like you can be a little bit more ill-disciplined around the ruck, or you can throw the ball around a bit more. Uh, but encouraging signs there. Um, I would like to see Richie Moanga stamp, stamp his mark on a major test match with a complete 80-minute performance where he dominates the game and not comes in and out of games. That's the one thing for me that is missing from Richie's game and the all-black level is that dominant test match performance. Yeah, and we know he can do it Yes, as well. We've seen him do it so often. He's been the best player in Super Rugby for three seasons straight. Like, he can do it. He just needs to... I don't know if he feels like he's got such quality around him that he doesn't need to, but, you know, he needs to stamp his mark on a game and dominate from the first minute to the 80th minute, which is the likes of what Dan Carter and Bowden Barrett have done in the past. Yeah, just one uh, one enforced injury-enforced change to the starting 15 with Antonio Brown out. And, and the, the phenomenal Will Jordan onto the wing with Rico at centre. Um, great to see Will Jordan get a chance. He's That's got, what I'm most looking He's got a lot of see. fans in this <laughs> office, right? So, uh, yeah, really looking forward to seeing Will Jordan back in action and his first test against the Wallabies, I think. So Yeah, and consistency as well, which I think after those first three tests um, of the year in June, July, there was a bit of chopping and changing as Ian Foster kind of worked out his best 15. It's obvious, and he said that he knows his best 15, but... Consistency as well, Luce, is good to see for for anyone, but particularly Ian Foster, who obviously knows knows his best side now. Yeah, I think we are starting to see a wee bit more of that consistency again with the lineup. Obviously, just that injury and force change with Anton Leonard Brown out. So, yeah, like much like Brad, looking forward to seeing a full eighty minute performance. I think that's something that lacked, whether it be just being the first test or uh, getting back in the swing of things, I'm not sure, but that's not uh, typically the All Blacks fashion. We seem to uh, to push in we that last. Strong. We yeah, finish that's, strong. That's our strong Yeah, point. so I'm um, hoping to see a wee bit more of them this weekend. Uh, I'll be at the game. Uh, hey, that is low too. Bring yeah, it on. Speaking of finishing strong, TJ Padanara also returns. He'll come off the bench, and if anyone can finish a game strong, it's him. He hasn't played for the All Blacks since they played Argentina in November. So it'll be interesting to see how he comes in and adapts. He obviously didn't play any form of super rugby, if I'm right there. So Mm. he's come off a season in Japan where he'll probably feel refreshed and he'll have learned a lot over there as well from his time in a different kind of game. But it'd be great to see see him back. The Wallabies also have a couple of returning players, Marika Korombeti and Lachlan Swindon return from them. Two good players. Two really good players. Matt Moore is at 12 as well. And it is do or die the Wallabies as well. Do we think they might be able to sneak one in? Well, Tamil will be in this team for his goal kicking because he is the best goal kicker in Australia. He's he's, he's great with the boot, um, so so look out for that. And he's also a steady ship sort of in that midfield. Very, very experienced player and hence played well against the All Blacks before, so I like that move um, from Dave Rennie. Uh, look, I think the Wallabies will, will be in this game again for, for the first half. It's just a matter of they've got to stop the All Blacks from going back to back right you got to, you can't let the All Blacks get 
get two tries on the bounce. So they need to stay within that seven-point margin. If they do that, as they proved last year in the final test uh, in Sydney, I think it was, then they show that they can finish strong. They did that again last week. Um, and this, this is an All Blacks team that, I wouldn't say they're lacking in confidence, but I wonder if they're, you know, with a 50-50 record for Ian Foster, you know, um, I wonder if there's a little bit of lack of self-belief belief in this team. Like, you wouldn't think it because they're such a great side, but since that World Cup semi-final loss against England, they haven't looked that same sort of side that dominated world rugby for that three or four-year period. What about you, Luce? You said you're going to be at the game. What if it's the game for the first time in 30 years? That the Wallabies win at Eden Park. Hey, look, let's not <laughs> jinx it. But I think those players will definitely bring an extra uh, dimension uh, back for the Wallabies. Mm. So I think it's definitely going to be a good game. I'm not sure whether uh, they'll have the edge over the All Blacks, but it will certainly uh, be a tough one. And uh, yeah, good to see those players back out on the field. A lot of pressure on the referee this week. There were so many penalties last mm. week. Um, actually, not 100% so sure who that is, but like, um, you know, we've seen it in the past during the Lions series where, where the, um, Ben O'Keefe didn't officiate as harshly as the referee in the first week for the second test I just wonder if um, I'm sure Dave Rennie and Ian Foster will be having a word to the ref in the lead up so don't be surprised if we see a slightly more loose game when it comes to the officiating because there are a lot of penalties in that first test a few of those players as well will be fired up after they were stood down uh, for breaching team protocols earlier last week Dave Rennie has obviously made his mark on this team he'll make his mark in any way he can particularly Marika Kordambesi I'm looking forward to seeing him because he will be ready to charge out of the blocks and you get the feeling Dave Rennie might have had a wee word in his ear as if to say you've got something to make up Mm. So go out there and, and prove yourself. And he's he's a he's a game winner. He he scored tries against the All Blacks last year. Uh, you know he was a phenomenal player for the Melbourne Storm in his rugby league days. He, he's a match winner. I'm I'm actually you know excited because there are question marks over the way they finished last week. Let's not forget though that you know from from pretty much the start of the second half till till. 12 minutes to go the All Blacks were dominant right they had a dominant massively 20 minute period where you know they they were scoring at will um, and they made it look easy so uh, you know if they if they channel that 20 minute period they'll, they'll, they'll be dominant again they also could head to Perth in a couple of weeks after that and they've been told that they may not return due to the I guess the COVID situation with the with the bubble that we're seeing mm-hmm. hopefully the bubble will open between here and Australia when it's supposed to, but there's a really good chance, especially the way it's going, that it's not. Will that be playing on their minds at all? Or I guess to put it into perspective, if you got told that you were going away for work loose and you might not be able to come home until the end of the year after bearing in mind they're going on the end of year tour as well, would that kind of, how would that affect you? do you think? Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely uh, challenging, but I think that's the world we live in at the moment, and I'm sure uh, the All Blacks, they probably know uh, that that's a possibility and, and what they've signed up for in that respect. So I don't think it'll be playing on their mind so much this uh, this week. I think they'll probably have a, a general idea about what direction it's heading. So uh, yeah, I guess we'll find out in, in the coming days as to whether or not that's going to be the case. And, and a good sign for me is All Black media manager Joe Locke spoke to the media on Tuesday um, sort of about that situation. He says, look, you know, they're professional players. Uh, they're, they're, they've they've talked about it as a group, and there's you know the Warriors have done it, the Phoenix have done it, you know the Breakers have done it. They understand the environment that they're living in, um, and despite the fact that several of them have young families, they realise that it's an honour to represent the All Blacks, and so that's encouraging. And, and Joe sort of said that the the general feeling is pack big. Um, you know, because you, you don't know how long you're going to be on. T- and, and the worst case scenario is they spend the rugby championship potentially the entirety of it in Perth, 
and then yeah, off to a off to an end of end of season tour. And what could be awkward is what if some players don't get selected on that end of season tour and they have to come home, yeah. <laughs> come home, you know? So uh, yeah, um, we'll we'll see how that plays out. But um, I think good vibes coming from the camp in terms of accepting that that could be their fate. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess wait and see what happens with that. But first of all, we've got to got to play this like how to wrap up. Luce, what do you think is going to happen there? Predictions. Predictions, score predictions, all blacks by seven. Yeah, I, I like that, Luce. Uh, I'll, I'll just say eight because I don't want to be the same, you know. <laughs> but I, I think, uh, yeah, I think I think it's going to be close. But yeah, all blacks by sort of eight to 15. Oh, good. I'm going to go wallabies by one. Ooh, um, all it's right. coming home. Silver <laughs> uh, Ferns coach Nolan Toto has named a squad uh, for a, a few training camps as they look ahead to the Constellation Cup series against Australia in October. A few new faces. There, Grace Wicked, Jamie Hunt, and Tiana Maturo in that squad as well, looking to maybe stake a wee claim for that series in October. Luce, your thoughts on on Dame Nolene's squad? Yeah, well, I think this is the the first time that we've really seen uh, Dame Nolene reward those players that have worked really hard. Uh, We know since she's come back into that Silver Ferns environment, she's really stamped her mark in terms of fitness standards and that kind of thing. So I think this is the first time we've really seen her reward those players who have worked hard. Grace Grace Nwerke, no surprise, she's uh, been the top scorer in the ANZ Premiership this season, shooting there or thereabouts 90%, I think. So absolutely fantastic from her. Uh, I know the last selection, she was told, uh, you know, fitness was something she really need, needed to work on. She's gone away, done that, and here she is. She's been awarded with uh, in that 17-strong squad. So that's fantastic. Uh, Jamie Hume, Tiana Matudo, also fantastic performers this ANZ Premier season. So, you know, it's great to see the Silver Ferns building that depth in the shooting circle. Amelia Anacanasio, she's obviously uh, having a baby, so she'll be away for that uh, Constellation Cup in October. So great to see them starting to build some more depth in that area. Uh, and Kate Heffernan, the Southlander, um, na- being named for the first time in that midcourt. So, yeah, exciting talent coming through, and uh, obviously we'll get to see them, uh, all those that are selected in the team, out on court in that Constellation Cup in October. I was going to ask you that, Luce, because, you know, you know, know a lot more about netball than than, than my humble self uh firstly um every time i listen to nolan Tauder, i feel like i'm smarter like she just did there's something she's so charismatic and she's so knowledgeable and i feel like she could go and coach any sport and she'd be successful at that no matter what the sport was um and she's so cerebral in the way she's sort of handled particularly grace nowicki as well over the course of the last two years um but that's the general vibe right is that this is an exciting time for new zealand netball and you know um three or four years ago when we kind of got dumped out of that trans-tasman competition and uh, there was a lot of speculation that the Silver Ferns were going to struggle for that. But if anything, you know, bringing up these young players through the, the local comp has been a benefit to New Zealand netball. Um, and Grace Nowicki may not have been given the chances she's been given in the last couple of years. And she's proven that she's a world-class player at, what, 19, 18, 19 years old? But she's not the only one, as you mentioned. Uh, so I guess the, the end question to that is, is this the time where we can now um, maybe dominate Australia or at least go into a series thinking you know what we should we should beat beat because the feeling from Australia is that this is this is the silver ferns time spot so to speak where they've got the the really quality young talent coming through the system yeah well I guess we're heading into the constellation cup with the cup uh, in our trophy cabinet so that's the first time in what 12 years that mm. that's been the case so yeah I think it's fantastic to see you know Grace Nwicki she's had the game time this season and we've really seen her grow and develop um, over the last 12 or so months so I think that 
she's the perfect example of, of what the system is doing and led by Dame Nolene who, you know, like I said before, has really come in and stamped her mark into that environment. Should we worry about a life without Dame Nolene as Silver Ferns coach post the next World Cup? Because this has been the most successful time in New Zealand netball for decades and it's no secret that Dame Nolene is probably the best coach, netball coach in the world. Like, you know, I, I am sure she'll leave a pathway for who's... But is, there, is that... Will that be a worry, um, you know, for New Zealand netball that she won't be around forever? It's funny you say that. I've actually asked Dame Nolene the same question. I said, are we in trouble uh, <laughs> when or if you leave? Um, and she said, absolutely not. And I think the fact that she's got faith in the coaches coming through, the ones who are in that environment with her every day, um, means that we should we should have the same faith. Good. Absolutely. And it it's almost like for those newer players, the next best I guess stage of the year is to go into a camp as as opposed to go straight from ANZ Premiership to to a series against Australia. They've now got a couple of months where they can go into camp with not just Nolene but experienced players as well and really work on what they need to but also get a lot of confidence from just being in that environment. How much will that help the likes of Jamie and Grace and, and all those others as well? Yeah, absolutely. And I think Dame Nolene said that both uh, this squad and the development squad, which has been named, which has also seen some new faces, uh, will work quite closely together um, over the next few months to to really, I guess, build that depth even more so than, than what's already been built and progress through and into that Constellation Cup where hopefully a chance for some new caps to be found. And what I like about Nolene is when she says no place is safe, like the players know she means that, right? She's not just saying that for the threat. media. It's not an empty threat, Jimmy. You're right. And that's what I like about her as well. She does not suffer for fools and she'll be able to evaluate these players fairly quickly. We had that story, was it last year, where three players got sent home uh, away from camp um, because she, you know, she's got a, a, a sort of like standards and if you don't meet those standards then you're not good enough to be a Dame Nolan Tarua Silver Fern Fair enough, absolutely. It's also worth mentioning um, Netball's also been in the news this week for having a run at the Olympics What, do, we, what do we reckon of that? Yay or nay? I, I like it more than the idea of cricket yeah, um, I, I, I think we need another women's team sport uh, and certainly we, it would give us a chance to win um, another Olympic medal I guess the only question is there'd probably realistically be three, maybe four teams that would go to Olympic Games with the chance of, of, of winning the gold, at least. You know, your, your Great Britain, your New Zealand, Australia, and potentially one of the, you know, Trinidad or Jamaica or one of those sides. But um, I guess, Luce, how how strong is, is world netball like at, at the moment? I know South Africa have, have improved a lot in recent times, but is there enough depth in world netball to, to say yeah we can we can have 16 teams at the Olympic Games yeah that would be my only concern probably uh, the number of teams which it would be actual contenders for those uh, those three medals but in saying that it is you know the most played female sport out there so that would be a fantastic uh, to have that in the games and yeah it adds another dimension doesn't it and would we see like the United States for instance go why don't we you know why, you know what they've done with sevens they've, they've recruited some and their women's sevens team's one of the top three or four in the world they've recruited from other sports like your softballs and your basketballs you wonder if uh, if if the US or, or like China or these teams might look at look at developing netball players through their through, through their systems and we could see the US explode onto the world of netball with, with basketball players for instance who knows who knows Never say never. No. <laughs> Another goal for New Zealand, though. Wouldn't be too bad. Well, we'd certainly be in the hunt, right? So yeah, that, that's always good. Have to be. Yeah. Have to be. All right. Uh, we can't have a big wraps without mentioning uh, the Warriors, I think. Um, Let's go. 
Yeah, absolutely. Two in a row for them, Brad. Do you think they might be able to sneak into the finals or too late? I'm actually doing a story on Utah tomorrow, which I'm working on at the moment, which is their pathway to um, the potential top eight. They have, along with the Knights, have the easiest run home. I say easy, no game in the NRL is easy, right? But, you know, t- the table. Titans, Broncos, Bulldogs, Raiders, um, you know, th- there is there is four winnable games there. Raiders probably the toughest game. Titans are looking pretty good at the moment as well. But if they can get their best team on the park in a couple of weeks' time when Matthew Lodge is back and hopefully no more injuries, then absolutely. Um, they're, they're kind of lucky. They've got the Bulldogs and the Broncos in the next two weeks, which are the two weakest teams in the competition. So arguably they can they, they can live without a couple of their top players for those games. But, you know, they can't afford a slip-up. They have to beat the Bulldogs this week. And if they beat the Broncos next week, then they start to put themselves in the conversation and they put pressure on the other teams as well. Because there's going to be plenty of pressure on the Raiders when the Warriors play them because the Raiders have got the Storm and the Roosters in the next couple of weeks. So these teams have a tough run and the Titans have got the Storm and the Rabbitohs in the next two weeks. And the in, in two weeks' time, the Warriors could find themselves on the same amount of points as three or four teams hunting for that seventh and eighth spot on the ladder. Yeah, absolutely. I think they've left their run a little bit late. Mm. Uh, but in saying that, you know, <laughs> besides the fact that we've got these players out this weekend, from there on in, there is a pretty good run. So I guess there's always a possibility. And, and we talked about this um, in the newsroom the other day, Jimmy, that got to give credit to the Warriors recruitment. Like Matt Lodge, much conjecture around his signing, but boy, has that man stamped his mark on how good a footballer he is in the, in the first couple of games he's played for the Warriors. And Adam Fanua Blake has been phenomenal in the small amount of times he's been on the field this year. He's had obviously battled with injuries. Uh, and that's a, there's a lot to like about that forward pack with, you know, Jack Murchie developing over the course of another season and a couple of those young fellas. Uh, you know, hopefully if we get them home next season and they have the advantage of playing at home, then, then they could be on the right track with Sean Johnson, of course, playing a big role in that too. Yeah, and Dallin Watton is Lesniak as well. He's, he's been, been phenomenal. Marcelo been Montoya has been great yeah. this year. What a pickup he's been. Um, Peter Hicku has been really good the last two weeks. I know he's on the way out, but uh, you know he's he shows he's shown his experience. So, yeah, and I think Wade Egan's back this week as well. Um, he'll probably it'll be one of those ones where he comes. He'll probably end up playing in the game. You'd think, um, but but yeah, uh, if they can they can get their f- best team on the park this year, then they're a chance. Absolutely. Yeah. It's also worth pointing out that Dallin, showing the kind of leader he is, he's only new to the team, but he missed the birth uh, of a child mm. to, to play in those first couple of games when everyone had to move to the bubble, I think I'm right in saying that. So we talk about you know mental health and the strain that these guys are under, and I think he deserves a lot of respect from Warriors fans and anyone involved with the club, who I'm sure they're all getting around him. But, man, what a what a tough ask and what a, what a gesture, I guess. And, and so... Well done to him and, and mad respect to him. It's just a season of what-ifs though, right? Like more so than any other year for the Warriors because there's been five or six games. That's 12 competition points we're talking about that they probably should add to their total. At least four of those games they should have turned into wins. The, the Cowboys game, both the Knights games, both the Manly games. You know, they've, they've had so many games this year. The St. George Dragons game, like where mm. they, should have, they should have won. You know, you add four points to their total right now and they are in the eight. That that and that that to me is is leads to that whole season of what ifs, which is always unfortunate to look back at a year of, of what ifs like as we did last year when Virgil Van Dyke got injured in the Premier League, Jimmy. Yeah, what if? Oh, tough. All right, let's uh, let's wrap it up. But first of all, our MVPs for this week, Lucy. 
My MVP this week uh, has an Olympic theme. So, yeah, it's a story I came across. Um, Hansel Parchment. So he went on to win the 100-metre hurdles uh, Mm. at the Olympic Games. So there's a story about him uh, heading to his semi-final. He actually jumped on the wrong bus uh, to get there found himself at the wrong venue. Uh-oh. But one of the officials kindly paid for his taxi over in Tokyo to get him to the right venue. Uh, we here obviously qualified in that semi-final and went on to win the gold medal. So he has tracked down that official, um, taken her the gold medal, showing her uh, you know, what he won and, um, and things like that, paid him back for the ride. And um, <laughs> so true. my MVP of the week is that volunteer who helped Hansel Parchment win a gold medal at the Olympics. Amazing. Brad. Uh, my MVP is Rob Waddell. Uh, yeah. phenomenal job Great as chef. chef de mission for, for the New Zealand Olympic team you look at the interviews with all of our medal winners and even the, the guys and girls that didn't medal as they talked about the strong culture that has been built within that New Zealand team and you know New Zealand team written on the fern and, and what have you he's built something really special within that village and you know David Nika talking about how it was the best two weeks of his life says a lot to me and, and we talk about mental health that's a guy that was in a really dark spot you know, a year ago, wondering where he was at, uh, and phenomenal performance by David, by the way. But but yeah, uh, Rob Waddell gets the shout out for me. Uh, great job looking after that team in a re- in, in a really tough environment where they were coming in and out of camp. You know, with with people what out twenty four hours after they competed or whatever it was. So um, I think he's done a phenomenal job uh, and to deal with with all the problems that would have come out of of a COVID Olympic Games. All right, mine is Grace Wicket. Yes. She was phenomenal in that final. Mm. I think she she made all but three points of the Mystics' goals. Yeah, I think she she shot it at 94%, which in a grand final, her first grand final, Clutch. remembering she's 19, 19 years old. Yeah. It's and, pretty phenomenal. Yeah, she she's was, so mature, and she speaks, yeah, great call. She's um, she's one of the most exciting sports people in New Zealand right now. Yeah, really cool. So well done to her. Uh, all right, we'll leave it there. Thanks so much for joining us. Nice job, Jimmy. All Thank good. You. Um, yeah, just a reminder... If you are struggling with anything, don't feel afraid to reach out uh, and speak to someone if you really need to. Um, You won't regret it, I guess, and we hope you do. So other than that, that's it. Yeah.